Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Ngozi Onoha. I am a primary care internist geriatrician. Welcome to my podcast. I'm the founder of Health for Niger for health education and improving health literacy and health equity globally. This podcast is only for education and not medical advice. The audio is recorded live and unedited. If you've enjoyed the content, please share with your family and friends. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health for Niger podcast. My name is Dr. Ngozi Onoha. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Dr. Bingpe Ige. She is an experienced special education specialist and has more than 20 years experience working with students with special education needs. She teaches students with autism, learning disabilities, and mentally gifted students. So I'm so excited to introduce Bingpei. She's going to be talking to us today about special education needs. Thank you for coming on the show, Bingpei. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Onwara, for having me on the show. I am so excited to be part of this program, and I hope that um, I'll be able to share from my experience valuable information that parents and caregivers can use to take, when taking care of their students or their children. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So I have some questions and uh, we'll dive in because um, I know you have some great content for us. And I know that uh, parents and caregivers are going to find uh, this information very helpful. So let's just dive in as an introduction. Um, can you tell me what is a disability? Yes. Um, a disability can actually be defined or described as any condition that makes it more difficult for a person to do certain activities effectively or interact with, it, with the world around them, either socially or materially. And the way I can actually explain it is, to, um, is that a disability um, can actually impact the way a person views the world, or it could actually be an impairment, a cognitive impairment, a developmental impairment, intellectual, mental, physical, or sensory. It could actually be a combination of all these other multiple factors. And one thing I'd like to say again is that the fact that we as human beings, we actually move in and out of disability all through our lives, right? And it is considered a disability when it makes something difficult for a person to do. The most widely accepted disability that we all tend to have that nobody is frowning at is actually the use of um, eyeglasses. Many of us wear glasses. That's a form of disability because we can actually not see well if we do not use the glasses. But that is actually a more acceptable disability that um, everybody seems to accept other than the others. 
whatever makes an individual not to be able to perform a, a function like other people effectively could be the disabling factor in the life of that human being. So just to, as simply as I just described it, that is exactly what disability is. It makes it difficult for a person to do certain activities effectively or interact with the world around them. And it could be physical, it could be cognitive. So that's just a simple definition of what a disability is. Yeah, that is very insightful and very interesting, actually. So I have a personal story about this one. And that's from when I was in high school, I think my second year in high school. And um, I may have mentioned this before in previous, previous podcasts. And I was walking home from school with my friend. And she kept pointing out billboards, these huge billboards. And she was reading off the billboards and I was making reference to some of the things she saw on the billboards, but I could not see the billboards. I must have been about 12 or 13. So when I got home, I told my dad that um, the story of how I had walked home with my friend and I couldn't see what she was pointing out on the billboards. I couldn't read the billboards and I didn't realize that I actually had um short-sightedness which is called myopia medical term is myopia and i did not realize that um in school i was i couldn't see the board so and because i couldn't see the blackboard um my grades were not as good as they should have been but the minute i got those glasses everything just changed for me um, my performance in school just skyrocketed. It was just an incredible story. And I think that's why, um, you know, parents need to be a little bit more aware of some of the struggles that their kids have. Um, and something like a vision, the Snelling vision chart is so easy to do. And, um, you know, schools should also consider screening kids, especially in resource limited settings, such as the one where I grew up in Africa, where it wasn't routine to go to a doctor and get eye check, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's such a, a such an interesting story that I always tell people about how once I got my glasses, I could see the board and my, my grades just skyrocketed. I, I became like, a, a whiz kid in math and physics and um, it, it was just the, the difference was really very clear and so that's something to consider just the simple eye screening like I said especially in resource limited settings so that was great I enjoyed um, listening to you talk about what a disability is and the different um, ramifications and the overlap of the different disabilities so um, who's a child with um, a disability? Who, who's a typical child with a disability? Very good. Um, actually, I'm going to be um, giving you examples mm -hmm. or definitions from what we call the IDEA. Mm -hmm. That is the the law that guides um, that guides the special education programming in the United States of America. It is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act of 2004. And under this 
Act, a child with disability, according to the IDEA, is a child who has been evaluated as having any of the 13 disability categories that are recognized under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. So for a child to be considered as having a disability, especially in the school setting, that child must have gone through what we call the initial evaluation process. And usually what happens is that usually is a process that we go through. At some point, I will be doing other podcasts to actually explain each step of the process. So what happens is that once a child has been diagnosed, usually by a school psychologist, as having qualified for any of the 13 disability categories under the IDEA, which I'll be stating in a minute, then that child, if that child is found eligible for special education services, that child will be considered officially as a child with disability, especially in the United States. And there are different disability categories. We have 13 of them under the IDEA, and they're usually main, namely intellectual disability, hearing impairment, including deafness, speech impairment, visual impairment, including blindness, serious emotional disturbance, orthopedic impairment, autism, traumatic brain injury. Usually, uh, usually traumatic brain injury can only be sustained through accident. Usually children are not born with that. Other health impairment, a specific learning disability, deaf blindness, or multiple disabilities. So all these 13 disability categories, they are all the ones recognized under the IDEA, which happens to be the world's gold standard for special education. And if a child falls under any of these disabilities, that child will need what we call special education, either special education and related services or just special education. By saying related services, uh, if you look at all the disabilities I've mentioned so far, the 13 of them, some of them do not have any relationship with cognitive ability. Some academic, some physical, and some, um, due to other conditions, but then they all still come under special education. For instance, a child with speech impairment may not have any cognitive disability, but the fact that probably the child is not able to sound the letter R or sound the letter S properly or has some issues with speech, that child will still qualify if tested for special education usually by a speech pathologist or a speech therapist, will still qualify under special education. But what happens in that situation is that that child will be serviced directly by a speech therapist that will correct the speech defects that the child has. And it only becomes um, special education if that disability actually impacts negatively or adversely the learning of that child in the school environment. If the disability does not affect learning, the child may have disability or may not qualify for special education. 
So that's just um, what it is and how we view uh, a child with disability. Then if a child is qualified, then based on the needs of that child, then we pick it from there and the child will be serviced to remediate, uh, to remediate the deficiencies that the child may have that may affect or impact the child's learning in the general education setting. Okay, that was a lot of information, Dr. Bingpe. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stigma around um, disabilities. And so in this scenario, who, if a child um, has disabilities, um, who would identify? Is it the parent or is it the teacher or is it the doctor that would recommend that the child see a school psychologist. So what's the process? If a parent notices, say for instance, the child has uh, speech um, concerns, would they then talk to the teacher or go to their doctor? And then who refers to the school psychologist? So what is the process um, by which that child is now evaluated by the school psychologist? Okay, good. Thank you for that question. And um, I'll take you step by step the way we do it. But just to let um, listeners know, I'm focusing my explanation based on what I practice in the United States and following the um, our own um, IDEA. So the process actually is such that a parent of a child can request for evaluation. Let's say you're a parent and you suspect, well, this child, my child cannot is not doing this well, or I'm saying my child, the other peers are saying many words, this child is not talking. A parent can actually, in the school setting, request for it, right? The teachers, the school team, the teachers teaching that child, because teachers have like, for the most part, every number of students in a class is 25, between 25 and 30. So it's very easy for a teacher to see the differences in a child you know when compared to that child's peers mm -hmm. you understand so teachers are very very that's one area where but teachers can very easily even see what parents may never notice at home mm -hmm. so teachers are key you know the parents mm -hmm. the doctor could, could even even sometimes doctors when the child goes to the to see their pediatrician mm -hmm. a lot of times doctors can actually say oh this child is not talking this child is saying fewer words than his other older sibling. Doctors could actually pinpoint certain things. Mm -hmm. But they just to let you know, the, for the special education part of it, the child uh, usually, let's say the child starts um, in elementary school. Mm -hmm. The process is the parent can request testing by sending a note to the school. Mm -hmm. You understand? And that note will go to someone like me mm -hmm. or to request, oh, that maybe my child, I want my child to be tested for special education. I'm seeing this in my child. Mm -hmm. But then we do not just take what the parent tells us. Like a parent could write me, mm -hmm. I'll take the letter. But by law, I have to respond to that parent within 10 days of mm -hmm. seeing that letter. Mm -hmm. By law, either I call the parent mm -hmm. or I have to respond within 10 days. That's the, what the law tells me to do. Mm -hmm. Then after that, within that 10 days, doesn't mean I'm doing testing yet, but I might now ask the parents to come in for a meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. In the U.S., we just don't test a child just like that. Mm -hmm. But if it's a child that teachers have been 
saying things about before then now the parent now confirms it then in that case we might say okay let's agree whether this child should be evaluated but we do not just evaluate a child without throwing in interventions first you understand we will try we will we have what we call the MTSS mm-hmm. is um is a multi-tier system of um assessment something like that i can't remember but we have that way that we will intervene first mm-hmm. we have different tiers that's about four tiers tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 and tier 4 is after the child has not done well and is still struggling in whatever areas the parents or the teachers have noticed based on that then we now move to the step whereby we issue what we call permission to evaluate you understand and the permission yeah the permission to evaluate is a document that i usually will issue it and based on the what the team the school team tells and the parent agrees or if it's for speech if it's for occupational therapy if it's for math for reading for it could be for anything depending on what the child may be needing and once that is issued usually the school psychologist must be aware of it and if the school psychologist said, now go ahead issue this permission to evaluate then it is issued but we cannot do the testing without the parent's permission so once that document is issued for initial evaluation we will now wait for the parent to sign and return the document you understand even if i issue it and the parent refused to sign it or did not sign it on time then we don't do the testing but until we get the permission from the parent given us permission to evaluate the child from the time that we receive in the us from the time we receive that permission to evaluate signature from the parent we start counting the is actually the date that we receive that signature and we count 60 days from that day onwards for it to be done so the school psychologist has 60 days from the time we get the permission to do the testing and the fact that the child is going through evaluation does not mean the child is going to qualify you understand mm-hmm. so they might assess the child and still call well, this child has this disability but does not qualify for special education in that case we just have a meeting we might just throw in some accommodations for the child in the classroom without actually putting the child in special education program it ends there you understand we still get we meet with the parent we sign the document and everything mm-hmm. but in a case where a child is found eligible mm-hmm. a child may be found eligible for maybe specific specific learning disabilities or might be for speech mm-hmm. or might be for occupation when that child is found eligible and qualifies for special education that is when it's another process at that point if the child is going to be receiving speech and language services the speech therapist now takes up is going to now have to develop what is called an individualized education is a program that is specific to the unique needs of that child you understand based on the findings of the evaluation you understand yes. for instance a child might be the best child in math in algebra right but that child may be struggling with reading comprehension mm-hmm. the child might not be found eligible under math might not qualify for might not need any help in math mm-hmm. but might need maybe writing help might qualify under that because after because they have to use different testing materials 
and depending on how the child the what the child qualifies for based on that the either the special education teacher if it's academic needs and they will now have to so we now develop what's called the individual education plan for that child that will target that specific need the area that target area of need mm-hmm. that the child needs to improve on and the only reason why we do that is to actually bring that child to the level of the peers because if sometimes if a child does not get intervention or that a particular support in that area of need mm-hmm. the child it can affect the child's um esteem it can affect where the child will get to later in life you understand and yes. and the goal of special education is actually to address the unique needs of an individual or a child to the point whereby the child is given a chance to achieve to his or her highest potential in life right. you understand so that's actually the, what special education does if a child is not learning at the pace of the other kid or maybe due to these reasons then the IEP throws in accommodations for the child whether the teacher has to teach the, at a lower pace when teaching the child whether the teacher has to teach certain skills or whether the teacher has to teach prerequisite skills that the child is lacking so so many accommodations are thrown into that IEP that teachers of that child without the other peers knowing will have those that document right and they will know that for this child this child cannot take a test a 3 hour long test because it's already in the IEP that when you're giving this child a test the child should take 30 minutes break i mean like every 30 minutes take a break mm-hmm. so it's already is an accommodation that will help that child to be able to achieve and catch up with his or her peers without being left behind so that's the main reason why we do special education and it is not a stigma if anything at all someone like me i wish i had special education opportunity when i was in high school because i was very restless and i just felt i was just not diagnosed with adhd because nobody knew what was happening but i wish somebody had uh, taken the time to pay attention to my struggle or taking the extra step to call me aside and teach me certain things you understand probably i would have done better i wouldn't have had to like struggle for so long mm-hmm. or i thought i was really maybe i thought i was really really smart you understand when when i look at it right now i could tell that i wasn't smart at all or maybe i was smart mm-hmm. but i wasted a lot of time you understand mm-hmm. and so so that's why what well, that's when you see here around here they might say oh this child has um is in special education and yet is the best kid in math mm-hmm. you start wondering how is that possible and it's very very possible because special ed actually would target the need of that child and and like i said there are different disability categories right mm-hmm. there are 13 of them and some kids are just regular kids they will do well when you address their needs some kids need more and some mm-hmm. kids need less and some kids don't even need any help at all Mm-hmm. So what we do in special education we give that child that needs the help the help you understand yeah. we cannot do it without the parents um like the most progress i've made is because for parents that have really 
that have been very, very involved. You know, it's, it's more like it's a team effort, the parents, the teachers, the related service providers, even the whole community is a very, is a team effort. So that's the only thing, but, that, but it's a very beautiful thing. And um, that I'm happy that kids here are able to get it. And I hope that all children across the globe will have the opportunity to get what they need in order for them to be successful later as adults. Okay, this is brilliant. Um, so this podcast has a global audience and I'm sure that parents who are listening um, to this podcast in areas that are resource limited will have some take-home points in terms of how they can um, identify, support the child that has special needs and um, help that child achieve their maximum potential. Um, it's this, this has been this has been great. Um, this uh, podcast is actually our last one for 2021 because uh, in another day we're going to be in 2022, and I wanted to use this opportunity to wish everyone a very happy and healthy 2022. I know it's been a challenging uh, last few years with the COVID pandemic. We're still. <laughs> Um, in the process of the COVID pandemic and the Omicron surge right now. So this is what we're dealing with. And I'm just so happy that I can bring this content um, to people all around the globe. You know, this podcast is global. And I want to say thank you so much, Dr. Bingpe, for coming on here. But before you head out, <laughs> uh, I'd like you to just share just one little pearl of wisdom for the audience pertaining to our topic today, which is about special education needs for kids. Okay, thank you, Dr. O'Neill. Uh, one thing I would like to encourage all parents to do is to embrace special education. If for any reason um, you find, you see challenges that your child is having, and if the challenge could be educational, could be physical, whatever it is, if it persists, I would recommend that you find help. There are so many resources on the internet. You could actually Google, type in questions that you may have, and you will be amazed at how many, how much information is out there that even parents and caregivers could tap into. I'd like to encourage parents to embrace the world of special education and the world of disabilities. And um, just one thing we should remember is that we're not all perfect and we all have one form of disability or the other. So it's for all of us. And it's just for parents to know that um, they should not look at special education as a stigma. If anything at all, it's something that um, they should embrace because if anything at all, it will help their children. It will break barriers for their children and open doors for them, doors that otherwise they would never have been able to open. And one thing I keep telling my students proudly is that how much that I said, I always say to my children, I mean, I call them my children anyway, that. Mm -hmm. If I could make it to this point, the person standing in front of you that is teaching you math today, if I could do this, mm -hmm. I still believe that my students are, could be 10 times smarter than me. 
mm-hmm. because of the content that they're able to, the kind of math that they solve and the kind of programs that, I mean, the kind of work that they do. Mm-hmm. When I was their age, I, I did not even have a clue. You understand? And these are kids that, you know, so I just encourage parents, you know, to embrace it. If the, te- the teacher of your child tells you your child needs help, make sure you embrace it and say thank you and let that teacher help your child. And most of our parents, they tend to throw with a stigma. I don't want this. I don't want that. But it's actually something that will really, really bring out the greatness in your child 10 years, 20 years from today. And one thing I want to parents to know and caregivers is that special education is not permanent. Usually when we evaluate, we intervene. When the child doesn't need it anymore, we exit the child. So we always exit for the most part. So it's more like we come in, we take care of the needs. Once that child gets to where the child is supposed to be or close to it, the child exits the program. So a child might only have it for like one year or six months or two years or three years. So the child will still exit the program at some point. It just makes sense to like do better and um, achieve better. So that's my little um, one cent for parents. And I hope um, this helps. Absolutely. That was really wonderful. Um, a beautiful presentation. And I want to thank you so much again. And. I want to wish you and your family a happy and healthy 2022. I wish you the same. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.